I'm Steve McLeod and this is Bootstrapped. It's a podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies or wanting to run one. I run two bootstrapped software products, Feature Upvote, which lets your customers vote on ideas to improve your product, and Sabre Feedback, which offers a feedback widget you can add to your website. Follow along as I learn from talking to other bootstrappers and experts, and just maybe you'll learn something too. Do you send your customers a regular email newsletter? If not, you probably should. An email newsletter is a great way to stay in touch with customers, improving loyalty and decreasing churn. But which email newsletter service is best for you? When I was trying to choose which service to use for Feature Upvote's monthly newsletter, I turned to Email Tool Tester. Email Tool Tester's reviews helped me find the best option for my needs. Best of all is their deliverability study. Email Tool Tester regularly tests all the major email services to find out which ones actually get your emails into your customers' inbox. You can check it out at emailtooltester.com deliver. That's emailtooltester.com deliver. Hey listeners, in this episode, you're going to hear parts of a conversation between myself and Hannah Adcock of Contented Strategy. It's us discussing the results of a content audit that Hannah recently performed on the Sabre Feedback website. If you're new to this podcast, Sabre Feedback is a B2B SaaS app. I recently acquired it from Matt Beerman. You'll hear us refer to Matt sometimes in the discussion, just letting you know now that that is Matt, the previous owner of Sabre Feedback. A little bit about Hannah. She runs a agency, as I said, called Contented Strategy, and that agency helps companies like mine improve the content on their website and indeed throughout their entire application. So enough intro, let's dive straight into the conversation. So should we go through your thoughts on the content audit or should we go through the content audit? What, how would you like to do this? We can do, well, let's start with thoughts on content audit, but the content audit itself is quite, there's a lot of detail already and we can always kind of refer back to it if you want to. Okay. So yeah, thoughts on competitors. So you started with the first sentence is that Sabre is a good product, but the content isn't currently doing it justice. If uh, Matt, if you're listening to this, I hope we don't uh, don't offend you. We're probably going to be a little bit frank in this discussion, but uh, I think everyone agrees that it's a good product. Yeah, it's an excellent. I certainly do. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> yeah. And I think Matt was also quite frank that that kind of marketing and content isn't his main talent as well. That's quite understandable. <laughs> so it's quite challenging to get right. Um, it's taken me quite a while looking through not just all the content on the site, but um, competitors' content as well to get an idea of where we should position the product because it is quite a crowded marketplace and it's really important that we know uh, what exactly the strengths of, of Sabre are, what mm-hmm. exact problems it solves so we can persuade people to, to use us rather than one of, the, one of our competitors. It was really helpful. By the end of the process, I had a much clearer idea of, of how we should position Sabre what content we needed on on the site to really showcase what a good product it is because I think that there is a real market for this product which is 
it's simple, it's flexible, and it is easy to use because you've got competitors who are trying to occupy quite tight niches, the ones which are really uh, going for uh, identifying bugs and issue tracking problems, really. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you've got other products which are, some of them are upstream, some of them are actually trying to capture kind of a a massive market as far as I can see, but they're all singing, all dancing, that they're trying to do to do everything and that kind of product it it looks really good initially but it's actually very complicated to use that yeah. you know, the actual user experience can not really be that good so we're actually very nicely positioned i think in the middle of the market really for um for companies that want a feedback widget which is you know has a certain flexibility but which isn't going to have this kind of big learning curve or, or force them to make many different decisions just you know set up stage and, and beyond really so yeah i like it. it it kind of is similar to feature upvote and that you can get started with it in a couple of minutes i think saber if you do need to install a little snippet of javascript which is a kind of a barrier but i think all our competitors must have that same barrier i can't imagine how anyone's worked out how to do it without installing some snippet of javascript or html yeah, I, I looked at the competitors and it's, yeah, it was certainly no complicated than, than most competitors. And I don't think it's a huge ask these days either, just yeah. an approach. So I'm reading this paragraph here. In terms of positioning, Sabre is unclear. Question one, what makes it unique? Question two, why would you choose it over a competitor? Question three, is the website memorable if you take a tea break or coffee break while browsing it? Do you think you have answers to those questions or our task ahead of us is to still find the answers to those questions? I feel much more confident that I have some of the answers. I would like to talk to more of our customers to get a clearer idea of priorities, that it's obvious that Sabre is helpful. It solves a number of problems very well. And I'm still slightly unclear which problems are most important to Mm. most important customers. So that's something I, I do need to try and uh, sort out and I'll only probably do that by re- research interviews and, and getting to know our customers more. So we have almost exactly 50 customers mm-hmm. and I think uh, I was looking at the the breakdown today of them in tiers and I think it was seven of them are uh, in the corporate plan, the highest plan. I, I guess that would be the starting point to contact those people, do you think? Or would you be wanting to start with the people in the middle plan? Probably middle plan to start with often because I, I find I I usually get more feedback. I usually find it easier to set up research interviews with that type of customer. Right. Uh, on the corporate planet, it can be quite hard to, to get people to give you the time. So um, although I would be very interested uh, to talk to them. But at this point, any feedback, any research interviews are better than none. So I really will be going for the easy options first. Okay. I'm just looking at the numbers again. It's actually 11 corporate, that's the highest tier, and 25 on the startup, which is the middle tier. I think that's plenty to be able to contact people, but actually feasible, we could contact every single customer over the space of the next couple of months, just writing through a few a week and asking them if they'd be interested in having a little talk. And hopefully from that, you'll get some really clear ideas of why they, well, you should tell me actually, what would be the questions you would ask them? Just quite general questions about what they use say before what they were doing before Sabre, whether there was you know another tool or competitor or whether they were just coming from a you know situation where they just had emails and a ticketing system and no particular feedback widget, any problems with the product and also what they really like about the product. So just trying to keep the questions quite quite open-ended and also a little bit about their business as well. So I can try and understand 
what kind of industries people are coming to us from. Hopefully they'll give you such clear answers we can actually put that onto the website as content. What I love about Sabre is it does this, it solved this problem for me and then it's like, bingo, that should go on a on, a, on our website somewhere. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's what's making it a little hard at the moment writing new content for Sabre that, we, I mean, Matt collected some very nice quotes and I've been using those as really good information for writing my copy from because it's always better to try and appropriate basically the words of your, your, your customers about the, the problems they're having and, and how useful the product is to them. That That's, I think, the feature of vote copy is, has been much improved recently because of all the interviews I've done because I've actually been able to lift directly some quotes from customers and it, it just makes the copy bounce a lot more. It's so direct that mm. it really connects more when people land on the page because these are the exact problems they're having, this is the, you know, the exact kind of sentiments they're thinking at the time. So it's, it's always helpful to have that, that direct information from, from your customers. So, so at the moment I've, I've got the quotes and I've got quite a nice case study that from Matt, but the more kind of direct quotes I have from customers, the better, really. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to hearing what they have to say. So you've um, listed some key actions to improve the conversion funnel. Conversion funnel is one of those industry phrases that people use for, in case we do put this onto a podcast, we'll just briefly describe that this is uh, the process of converting people who are interested in a product like Sabre Feedback into site visitors, trial sign up and paid customers each stage of that is considered part of the, the conversion funnel uh, and you've written there that you want to wireframe the home page and new product pages uh, you want to separate out some feature pages that will become seo articles do you want to describe what that means yeah sure i'll say first of all that i when i'm approaching a, a site like this it to me it always makes sense to look at these key conversion pages first because if you start trying to improve the number of site visitors you have, but then you still have a slightly underperforming conversion funnel, then you're wasting your time and money a little bit. So I'd always kind of start with the, the key conversion funnel pages first. This is what I'm doing here. So I had a look through at the moment. Um, yeah, the homepage, I would like to take a different approach. And when I say separate out the feature pages that are going to become SEO articles, at the moment there's... If you go to features, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So there's kind of seven pages list on, listed under features. And they seem to have, some of them have a dual function. Um, some of them are SEO pages and some of them are describing features and trying to do both these functions together. And I know some companies do this. Personally, it's not a tactic I particularly like because I think you, you tend to do both slightly badly That because if people are coming to your you know, it's like they've landed on, you know, your homepage. They've had a little look at your homepage. They've gone to your features page. They want a quite a quick overview of your mm. product of how it works. They don't really want to be going through seven different pages. I actually find it quite annoying myself to try and work out you know, exactly what the product is doing. So I think, you know, if you're going to have a features, features content on your website, I think you need to communicate much more quickly about, you know, what those features yeah. are and particularly that the benefit of those features, you don't just list features because that's not really very persuasive. You need to list, you know, why they matter, which is the benefits to, to the user. Um, yeah. And then SEO pages, you see what I do is kind of take them away from the main conversion funnel and use these as, as landing pages, really. So I'd have lots of kind of useful. 
was the aim uh, that they'll actually uh, turn up on the first page of results and Google for some keywords and people yeah, exactly. come to these pages and have to learn there what this product is and what it does. Yeah, so you need to have much make sure that you have a high level overview for your SEO pages because this because they're only landing pages. People need to land on them and immediately kind of start understanding not necessarily what your product is, but the topic that you're talking about where you're going to be introducing your product. Um, so it really is quite quite a different approach for me that the, the SEO pages we found successful for feature upvote would not work as feature pages, and yeah. I, I think that the same the same would be true here. Um, Okay. I'll move on to the next point. You want to do a quick tidy of the pricing page. What do you have in mind there? I thought the pricing page was working quite well. Um, I know we have some longer term plans uh, for pricing, so I, I don't wish to do too much. Um, I just wasn't quite sure. To me, it felt slightly like there was some duplicate content, um, uh, which I wasn't entirely sure about, but uh, I was going to ask your opinion on that and also Stefano's. <laughs> Hang on a sec. So if I just go to the pricing page, here we are. So we have the three tiers. So they do have a bit of information about no credit card needed, 10-day trial, yeah. what's included all with pretty, all plans. Yep. It's all pretty standard. I suppose it was this table, really, the full pricing details. Right. Um, I wasn't really sure if it was saying much more than you already uh, saw at the top of the page, which is right. quite nicely done. Um, so I just wondered if it was unnecessary because I, I spent time myself trying to decide if there was different content there. Mm. And I wondered if that might just be a little confusing or unnecessary. So, Yeah, um, I think merging them makes sense. It's easier for the user, to, for the website visitor, and it's easier for us to maintain it. Otherwise, yeah. we're in danger of accidentally changing information on the top part of the page and forgetting to change the equivalent information on the bottom. Yeah, exactly. And that's always important maintenance, really, especially if you're quite a small team. You need to make sure that, that your content is is as easy to update as possible and certainly something like pricing where you'd be making quite a few changes quite possibly. Yeah, you, yep. you do need to make sure it's quite straightforward for you. Yep. I like the the frequently asked questions on the pricing page. Maybe we'll add a few more to that, but I, as a concept, I really appreciate it. As a website visitor, when I can find out things that I might want to know without having to you know, send an email to the company. Yeah, I think so. The the frequently asked questions, it, it becomes obvious which ones you need, you know, as, as you start getting feedback from customers, really. Okay. Now, you want to remove the blog and contact from the top menu and put it in the footer. Makes sense to me. I don't think many people would really be wanting to go straight to a blog of such a product. You might want to go to the blog of your favorite football team or something you have as a hobby, but of a feedback widget, the blog's probably not going to be that attractive to you. No, it's a bit of a common misconception, actually, that you should have blogs uh, very obviously signposted from your homepage, because usually the function of your blog should be as well as landing pages, really, to get people to come into your site. And then once they've read a blog post, you then send them to you know one of your conversion funnel pages, really. So it's the wrong way around, really, to, to have your blog yeah. on very kind of obviously signposted from your homepage, because you're, you're sending people to you know if you send people off to a blog post it's usually slightly less useful than to send them to a more persuasive page where you can set, get them to sign up for a free trial <laughs> yeah i would suggest it could be a leak in the uh, the whole conversion funnel once they yeah. go off to that blog post they might actually forget to come back and and actually find the information they wanted yeah and the contact you want to get from the top menu okay yeah i, I take that as well because certainly with feature upvote and just our company as a whole we're 
we're a smaller company and we we do put quite a strong emphasis on self-service whenever possible mm-hmm. so um, and to yeah. do that you, you need to make sure that your content is good enough so try and get people to look at genuinely useful you know help articles and make sure all your main content is as useful as possible so first of all you cut down on the, the number of uh, queries that you're going to get from people but then also you know if they do need to contact you they can do but it's in the footer which i think is um, yep. fairly standard these days as well really agree i have no interest in being a small company pretending to be a big company i'm happy to be a small company acting as a small company and making decisions around that such as discouraging people to contact support contact us straight away without first seeing that you know this help center and these articles and so on yeah exactly i mean rather than a contact a main contact link i I do like having the an about us page as well i think that is of interest do we have one at the moment no we don't but i would like to create one i don't think it's a top priority but it's certainly um going to happen it's a chance to give us some personality, but also to as a sign of proof to people coming along thinking, what is this company? Who are they? And on that page, we can say we've been around since this long. We've got this many customers. We're in this country. Yeah, we think like this and just give them that sense of confidence in going ahead with us. Yeah, and it's much more useful than the, the, the contact page, which at the moment really is just a form that there's not an address or there's nothing that persuasive in terms of they were an established company, which Sabre really is, and mm-hmm. you know, a very good company, offering very good customer service. That's not really, it, it can't come out in a, a contact page. So it does from an about us page. So that's more okay. important. Good. You wanted to give the help docs a quick makeover. Yeah, <laughs> I can see why I, the docs are, are very basic and don't do any job of explaining the bigger picture. They're very uh, utilitarian. Especially the quite technical articles are extremely good. That you, you can tell that who are you know that Matt, who is behind the product, he really knows his stuff. That's so evident. Um, but it, it is lacking those quite a few of the higher level pages, um, which you'd expect to see in, in help documents. And some of it needs to be a little, a little bit easier to, to read and to understand, especially for for non technical people who, and I think, are going to be some of the customers. So. I'm looking at the documents page now and uh, the whole site look is different. There's no top navigation. There's no way to go back. Mm. Well, you can use the back button. But other than that, there's no on-site navigation. So, yeah, it would be really great to unify that too with the rest of the site. Yeah, it, there needs to be a, a consistency of, of style and content across the whole site, which there isn't at the moment. And that's particularly obvious in, in the docs section. Yeah. And I'm hoping we can quickly remedy that lack of consistency. In terms of the actual content for the docs, it, it is going to take time, but I'm going to tackle the most important content gaps first, which are these kind of higher level um, yeah. pages which are missing at the moment. Iteration, um, it, iteration, iteration, tiny steps all the way forward. So Yeah, I think so. Because docs, I find they're really docs or help sections or whatever you choose to call them. They, they're really important for, uh, well, they're important for acquisition, which people sometimes overlook. But if you've got customers coming in with specific questions, they are going to look often look at your your help section, and if you don't provide the answers, then they may get back to you. But they also might just um, go off and look at competitors. So it's quite important for acquisition that you, you have quite a strong yeah. help section. And then, of course, they're excellent for retention as well because your existing customers, you know, are going to uh, want to get the most out of your product. And to do that, that they're going to be looking quite regularly at your your help section. And unless it's quite strong, they're going to start getting quite frustrated. So if yeah. you you want to keep quite strong retention, then again, it makes sense to, to 
have a strong help section. And also it does have some SEO value sometimes. So if you're in quite a competitive marketplace like we are, then it's um, it's another useful SEO channel really. I had a quick look at the, the Google Analytics data and I think the docs are just not getting any traffic whatsoever from Google. Did, did you notice oh. the same? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And you said like it has SEO value. I think it can also reveal like keywords you didn't know were important because you help docs ranking for it and you realize that can become, that can give you an idea for a complete article that you can write. Yes, certainly. Um, So now key actions to minimize problems and inconsistencies. Should we keep going like this? Yeah, sure. Um, I could possibly summarize this section. Okay. I've not actually worked uh, on a product before where we've, you know, we've just bought a new product, so um, it's it's coming to us from someone else. And there's some quite obvious points where there's there's going to still be some inconsistencies about mm. the um, uh, in the content. So um, I was just thinking about how best to tackle these. Um, there are quite a lot of them. I've just listed them, the most important ones here. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them is that Matt, kind of his main content marketing approach was you know to write about you know how he started kind of running the business and, and continued to run it first as a side project project and then as a main business and we should we should say exactly what he wrote because i think it's it's awesome experience all the excitement and crippling self-doubt as i document my journey with saber from side project to profitable startup uh, it's, it's a great way to describe what he did and it's the headline on the blog at the moment but it's not right for us yeah it's very interesting content but it, it's not the approach that we'll take so what I'd like to do is set up a, a new blog homepage. First of all, with categories, I don't really like blogs where it's just post after post and you're not really sure if it's a, a feature update or a kind of about us story or if it's something written mm-hmm. which is going to be particularly helpful to your audience. Um, so I'd like to get some categories in place, first of all. And then the most obvious is, is to write a, an about us blog, which I can possibly also kind of turn into the about us page. Um, to make it clear to particularly existing customers yeah. or, or anyone coming to the site that uh, the company has been been recently taken over and explaining who we are and what our plans are. And that yeah. also leads into doing the same on social media and also sending out um, a personal email to all existing customers as well, introducing ourselves yeah. um, and talking about uh, what we plan to do and being quite reassuring as well. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, the blog hasn't been updated since August 2019, which is eight months ago, I think. And uh, that's also a warning sign for people coming to look at the site. It, it makes it look like it's more or less abandoned and we've got to do something about that pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so. You, you come to the site and you just read really about somebody who's slightly losing the will with, with the product. So it's, it's, it's not the message we'd like to send to people at the moment. So, yep. um, yeah quick changes there and certainly taking the, the blog out of the main menu as well, I think will be useful. Yeah. And uh, and we'll actually get rid of a lot of the blog posts. I think the, they we can either archive them or get rid of them altogether. Um, I, I also looked at them for um, Google Analytics and the, you know, they're getting like a, a view or two per month now. So I don't think there's any SEO value. We can just delete them and redirect the URL to the blog homepage. Yeah, it's um it's quite interesting looking through the blog posts. I just did the last few years because Matt was certainly quite prolific, and I I picked out the posts which were were directed at Saber's audience. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much quite interesting topics which uh, I'll probably rewrite. Um, oh, great. There were some there's some which get traffic, but not really many conversions, which 
quite mm-hmm. interested to work on. They were all around the topic of e-learning, and that seems to be quite a, um, a strong uh, audience segment uh, for Sabre. And it's one I'd certainly like to explore a little bit more, um, particularly as these, these posts are, are getting traffic. But I slightly worry that they're targeting people at slightly the wrong point. Um, so anyway, yeah. that's all a bit elliptical. But I'll, um, there were certainly some interesting leads in the blog posts which I would like to pursue. So it was it was certainly worth my time going through them individually and, and looking at the analytics as well as at the content themselves to see to see what what I could improve on, what what needed it archived and what I thought had some potential as well. Yeah, that's great. It's great that there's some content we can reuse and not have to start from scratch. Yeah, it's brilliant really. I mean it's such a lot of content. And even though the content I, I archive, some of it can be I do make notes that that you know, inspired me in, in, in some ways as well. So it's I, I love it when we do in, inherit content, even if we, we don't choose to, to keep in its original form a lot of it. So, and um, shall we move on to the key actions you want to take to improve traffic to the site? Um, yes, sure. So, yeah. yep, improve key SEO pages. So, at the moment, you know, the nature of Saber being this feedback widget that Matt's in that there are on the site the quite obvious pages like website feedback, website feedback form, feedback buttons. So these are probably what you call key SEO terms. Um, my problem with them is that uh, they're also going to be super competitive. Um, so I am going to improve those pages. I think it's it's necessary to try and do what we can to rank for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we do rank well, I'll, I'll be quite impressed. Um, yeah. Because it is quite hard going on on competitive terms, you know, especially when you've got um, much, you know, uh, larger and better funded competitors who, uh, who obviously spend a lot of money on content and SEO. Yeah, you know, we don't have to take them on on head on. You talked about uh, long tail pages, and for this company, for this product to be profitable, it doesn't need a lot of customers signing up per month. So even if we manage to improve the SEO enough to get a handful of more people signing up each month it's already a good step forward yeah i think so my well that's necessary to to improve the the main um seo pages i think the more successful strategy will be the long tail seo posts yeah so i mean one brilliant thing about the product is it's it is so well developed and it's easy to use in all kinds of situations so there's you know um, any number really of long tail seo posts which i think could get us you know enough useful traffic to to improve the metrics. So for example, it works, the product works really well on WordPress sites. It's really easy to install. Um, so kind of getting user feedback when you have a WordPress site, that's going to be quite a nice article. We can maybe even do a cluster of content around that. Um, getting student feedback on your Moodle course, that's another potentially quite interesting area because we know that the product is of value to people who create e-learning courses. Um, so I actually think these, these kind of long-tail SEO posts are going to be more useful to us because of course they're going to be a lower volume of traffic but it's going to be relevant traffic and as you say we, we don't need huge numbers to make this product work for us hey Hannah, i noticed that the um powered by saber feedback link that goes on customer forms it just goes back to our home page did you notice yeah. that too that, that seems like a lost opportunity Yes, it's it's always something to think about. Does your product have a viral, com- you know, viral component that you can try and exploit? Because of course, it's a brilliant way to to try uh, for customer acquisition. A free way of doing it, really, if your customers can advertise you 
uh, in that way. Um, so it does have a viral element, which is brilliant. It's it's something to look at with it. It might be something that people on high tier plans don't want. So it's you yeah. could suggest removing it as well. Actually, if people are paying more, um, I think that's currently allowed. Right, the people on the highest paid plan are allowed to turn off that link, and no one else can. Yeah, of course. Okay, that makes sense. That's good. But yes, if you do have that link, it does need to go to a, a specific landing page. So yeah, um, yeah, there. because this is people who. Uh, already have seen the product in action because they were just using it and obviously are curious. So it's a chance to really give the content speaking to exactly where they're at, which is they know what it is and they're curious. Yeah, and it can work quite well because you often get clusters of people using you from the same industries then. And personally, I find marketing to to specific industries can be really hard unless you have a really in-depth knowledge of that industry. So, yeah. you know, if you can use this kind of technique to get the word out about your product, then it's definitely worth pursuing. Hmm. Good. And the homepage, yeah, that's a lot of work ahead of us to work on the homepage, but how you said you already started doing a wireframe. Yeah, I am um, to do, well, to do any content well, but particularly a homepage, which is so important. You need a lot of thinking behind it. I'd say it's, nine, it's at least 90%, if not 95%, research and thinking mm. and then it's actually five percent writing the copy so if you've done all your initial research uh, it's you're in actually quite a good position to create a home page that I've almost got quite a decent first draft and it's only taken me a few hours and that's because I've got so much information kind of behind me informing you know informing the uh, you know the, the content that needs to be there We've also already put in a process so that we can change the content on the homepage or anywhere in the site very easily. That was the first thing we did when I took over Sabre. And I think that also is maybe the, the third part of the homepage of designing it, is making it very easy to keep modifying it, modifying it, modifying it. Yeah, we'll definitely be iterating because, as I said, I, I still feel I'm a wee bit, I need some more um, research. I'm really looking forward to talking directly to customers. I, I feel I'm slightly lacking in that area. So, um, I'm doing my best with what I have, mm-hmm. and I do feel that I've got a fairly good understanding having uh, done the content audit and also a competitor audit. Um, but yes, we'll definitely be iterating on on the homepage once we get to know more about the product and who uses it. I think we're very lucky that Matt had Google Analytics installed and was using it, so we've really been able to do this analysis up front of which pages are worth keeping and reworking and which ones are not putting their weight at all, so we know where to focus our effort. Yeah, it was really useful and it's thrown up some surprises as well for me. So I always like with content audits to make sure I have qualitative information and quantitative if I can. Um, and then the, the two together usually tell quite uh, quite a useful story because, you know, Google Analytics by itself, there are, there are there are hidden stories, there's problems with it, there are things that you do miss. So that's why it's important also to have the, the qualitative information. You're actually looking at the content yourself and, and thinking, you know, uh, how well is it performing? So I'm going to interrupt the conversation there. Hannah and I kept talking for a while longer, but I think what you've heard is the most useful parts of analyzing Sabre Feedback's existing content and content strategy. Hey, if you'd like to know more about Hannah and her work, you can check that out at contentedstrategy.com. And that's all for today. I will catch you next episode. Bye. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics 
on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm. Thank you.